Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Wasn't that the uh, Schoenstein's thing? Sancte Hieronyme? Yeah. I don't remember. For, from hmm. St. Jerome, pray for us. I think it was a Latin. I saying that. In his oh, Latin we would say that in, in Latin class? Yeah. Hmm. That would make sense. That's also, dude, that's been like nine years ago, hasn't it? Or eight years ago? That yeah. you guys were in Latin? No. Latin. Wow, that's with, just crazy. With Schoenstein. Which he yeah. created his own. It wasn't a textbook because it was just a bunch of <laughs> printouts. <laughs> yeah, it definitely he, wasn't he, a textbook. <laughs> that he bound together. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but you teach Latin for that long. I, I think it it would be a bad sign if you just didn't, you know, put together some kind of like packet textbook. If you just kind of kept going through the same old book. It was a sign that he thought there was a best way to do this. And he was trying to improve it. You know what I mean? No. I like that. Yeah. Because we I had him and we just used that green book. But clearly he thought it was limited. I don't know that you guys learned it any better than we did. I don't but know either. Dude, we just think about Santa Hieronyme. You think we don't know Latin <laughs> no. or something? The right. thing about any language is that you can't no teacher is going to teach it to you you have to actually have to do the homework you know what i mean yeah that's the sucky part about learning languages dude Mm -hmm. ain't that the truth wouldn't that be nice though yeah that would be if they could just plug in our brains like the matrix and then i could speak some japanese that's gonna happen someday dude (laughs) it's gonna happen before you know it but that's how they're gonna get you when they plug the thing into your head and teach you japanese they're gonna teach you all sorts of other stuff that you don't even know you're being taught like kung Mm. fu you heard it here first folks dude i anyways that's worth it if i can do some muay thai or some kung fu just by somebody teaching my brain that Mm -hmm. and they control me for a little bit like hmm, (laughs) it's pretty fair payoff Right. It's basically like watching a commercial to be able to watch sports, you know? It's like, you can, you can manipulate me into tra- ex- into buying it's Tide exactly, Bleach. It's exactly like that. I'm willing to watch this sport. I'm willing to pay the price of being subconsciously manipulated to buy products in order yeah. to enjoy <laughs> Yeah, but it has to be subconscious conscious. because as soon as you tell me that I'm going to pay for it, I'm out. Right, but as long as you're subconsciously manipulating me, then I'm cool with it. Yep. Yeah. We'll let it slide. That's sadly kind of true. Man, did you watch this? Uh, my friend Brad really wants us to talk about the social dilemma. Did I send you guys that link? Did you watch that Netflix documentary? So. No. Oh. Well, I guess we're not talking about it then. It's well, a, hey, it's a new movie. hey, hey, that's never stopped us before. <laughs> uh, legitimately, we've talked. Yeah. Well, talk it's basic. It. It's basically just a uh, a documentary on. It, it has a bunch of the Silicon Valley dudes who 
have kind of jumped ship from the whole social media thing. They got a big guy from Pinterest, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Google, YouTube, like the guy who invented the YouTube recommended for you algorithm. Um, basically inventing YouTube vortexes or vortices. The guy who invented the like button on Facebook um, and all these people who were kind of there at the bright eyed beginning of social media thinking, oh, this is connecting people and it's spreading positivity and and now kind of looking at the results of um, the social media dynamic, um, you know, polarization, uh, teenage depression and suicide, um, uh, just, you know, like addiction to the devices and to the, the different apps and things like that. And, um, what it's, what it's doing to us and they are kind of repentant and trying to work for a more humane technology. Um, and I think one of the most convincing things is that basically the, uh, the head plug matrix Muay Thai subconscious, uh, manipulation thing, which is if like all these products are free, like TV is free. I mean, TV over the air because we pay for it with our attention by letting them sell us things by letting them show us advertisements. And so the rule of thumb is that if you are not paying for the product, you are the product. So who is paying for Facebook to be free for us are all the advertisers who are, you know, Facebook presents the advertisers with a, you know, really high probability of oh, this person searched for this. You know, if you put a an ad here for three cents, it's a pretty good return on investment because there's, you know, at this much percent chance that they're going to buy these shoes or that, uh, that neck massager or whatever, you know, because they searched my back hurts. Hmm. Um, so, uh, there's all sorts of things like um, the algorithm, the artificial intelligence is not human, obviously, so it can't assess like the quality or the truth of things, but they can assess how long people watch videos like this and then they can clump them together because certain people watch this kind of video and, and they, they have all these packets of data and they just, the, the uh, priorities for these things is growth, you know, getting more members, engagement, which is like, how long are you using Facebook, YouTube, et cetera? And then they add, add revenue. Um, so, <clears throat> um, it doesn't really matter to them what you're watching or what you're looking at, just that you're looking at it. So there are certain kind of things like say conspiracy theories or whatever, um, a certain kind of political content or sports content or whatever um, that keep you watching. And so they will, th this is our whole thing about vortexes. They call it rabbit holes. <clears throat> like they, the algorithm just present, if you watched a video like this, oh, chances are they like this. And people who like, who watch videos like this tend to watch for an hour, you know, and then we can show them like 13 ads in that time. So you're being, it's just all about how like you can harness at scale vulnerabilities of human attention and consciousness to like manipulate them very subtly into buying things um, and believing things, you know, so people, people with agendas can 
find like, oh, there's a hundred people that believe this. Here are a hundred thousand that look something like them and we can present them with videos that will convince them of the same thing. You know what I mean? But that's politically or whatever. Anyway, that's my, I watched it a few weeks ago, but that's what I remember of it. But it was, uh, it's the kind of thing like at the end, you just want to, you just want to delete the whole thing. You know what I mean? Um, which is not really possible. I mean, I, I hardly use social media anyway, but I certainly get sucked into YouTube. Uh, my email is very addictive, but it, it kind of exposes some of the, the ones and zeros of what's going on of why we feel kind of chained to these things and why it seems to have changed the dynamic, the social dynamic so much. Um, like even since when the internet started where it was kind of a fun place and goofy place, there were still weird and gross things. Um, and one thing they don't talk about in there is porn, which I think is probably one of the most, uh, pervasive problems because it's so, so addictive. Uh, but it, it harnesses a lot of the same principles, you know, that you can just kind of keep string a person along through these algorithms. Any his, um, does that make sense? Yeah. What is, I'm curious of, you said at one point they're working towards kind of a more humane technology or something like that. So like, what's their, what would you say their goal is or the end game for for the mentality of like oh man we need to fix this because this is bad or going in in the wrong trajectory like what are they looking to do did they talk about that at all yeah um they are pretty <clears throat> they're not pessimistic a lot of them but um there's this one main guy tristan who used to work at google on the gmail app and uh he's kind should of we invite him on the podcast we should have him on yeah okay <laughs> um actually i think we're probably more we can say it more clearly than he can because of sure. all the research we did yeah definitely. um plus the guy's name is tristan <laughs> <He's> <laughs> pretty smart <laughs> i was gonna say he can't come on the podcast with that oh. name <laughs> <laughs> or that haircut which i'm assuming he has <laughs> um it's hard to say i mean the big thing that they think is the problem is um yeah, that. So he would say, like, Saturday morning cartoons had the attention of kids on Saturday morning. And TV, the people who produced TV were responsible to all sorts of groups, you know, the government regulators, the families, the people whose kids were watching those TV shows had the sense that they, you know, those TV people were responsible. They couldn't put certain content on there. You know what I mean? Advertisers couldn't sell certain things to kids or try to sell them you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh so there was there was regulation and content you know restrictions whereas now <clears throat> um the internet is still kind of the wild west and it's this new thing where you can harvest data at huge uh scale and there's really no, it basically like discovered this new continent and there's no laws, you know? Um, so people aren't just going to make apps that people love for free. You know, there's gotta be, it's not like they're just trying to get rid of advertisement or, or whatever, but it's just the fact that, um, 
because this is the way the business model is. You know, when Facebook f- first came out when we were in college, everybody was like, how is this company? And you remember they had the the initial public offering and it was all these, you know, billions of dollars it, w- it was worth. And everybody's like, how are they making any money? It's free. And there wasn't even advertising on it at the time. It was just the mm. potential to make money. And they, you know, this one guy that was on the movie, he was one of the guys in charge of monetizing it which is a totally, you know, latter, latter 2010s word, monetize. Um, how do you turn this into money? Because it was just an idea at the time. Um, and now Facebook, you know, they went from this darling thing to this kind of villain. Um, and I, I have like a Facebook account with five friends just to have the Three Dogs North page, which I've stopped updating. Um, and I still get email. I have to like unsubscribe every time Facebook sends me another email, like, Hey, you haven't posted in a while or, you know, 120 people are waiting for a new post or have you checked out these things that you might be interested in? They're constantly emailing me, trying to get me engaged, trying to get me back on the, on the website, um, because they want me to buy things or they want me to click on ads or, or engage in content, um, so I think they just want to like create different incentives so that, um, you know, it's not, it's not as profitable for them to just have you watch anything addictive. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and to start to take a little bit of responsibility for the fact that they have all these people's attention all the time. And what are you doing with it? Um, I, I don't honestly know what that means um or what that would look like but they're like it's it's urgent you know the guy jonathan Haidt. have you ever heard of him yeah Mm -hmm. he wrote Mm -hmm. a book called righteous mind not long ago he wrote the uh the coddling of the american mind as well didn't he yeah yeah he's in the movie okay and and he talks about um oh man what was i gonna say he talks about oh he he talks about the uh the suicide rate like starting in the 2010s 2013 which is when uh a lot of these things went on mobile and a lot and it's like the first time middle schoolers had social media and Mm. like this the self-harm and suicide rates from 2013 of like 11 to 14 year olds goes up 200 percent or something in the last seven years insane numbers um and there's nothing else to really account for that um so the situation is in need of addressing rather dire yeah yeah what's so so what you need is more podcasts yeah long long form audio well what i was going to say initially and then i have a question follow up but yeah one i feel like three dogs north is then at a crossroads of like, do we, should we sell ads? Yeah. I mean, do we monetize <laughs> is the first question <laughs> or, or do we, do we just go all out and we all get TikToks and we win this thing from the ground up? Like we just, mm-hmm. you know, we win the internet. Yeah, we, we create is that a possible? Brand. Could we do that? Could we brand ourselves and, um, and just win. So that's one thought. Um, 
But what, yeah, I mean, I'm interested because I think why that it's so, it is interesting. It's also perplexing. And I've thought about this. Maybe I haven't put words on it, but like, okay, so what, what does like one person do then? Because I have no idea how to think on that stuff on like that scale of what these guys are talking about. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yeah, seriously, do I mean, do you just like, I, I um, once in a while I'll, I'll listen to uh, Dave Rubin. Do you guys know him? on youtube uh-huh. yeah yeah um but he does like once a year i think it's in august he goes completely like off the grid he doesn't post comment and i he says he doesn't read anything nothing um and it's just kind of like a detox for him i was like oh, that, that's a pretty cool idea um that yeah it, i mean i would agree probably more people should do including probably myself um so I don't know. I'm not saying we have to have anything, but just just ideas. I'm like, hey, what's what's one thing to do in response to that uh, rather rather scary just synopsis you gave, Bisk? Any thoughts? Uh, well, Jonathan Haidt actually at the um, he he talks about rules for families. It's interesting too, like. Um, the founder of Pinterest on there is like my kids, my wife and I basically, we are totalitarian. Our kids basically have zero screen time. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like he, you know, he wasn't like, oh, they only, you know, we don't let them use such and such an app or they can't have phones at the dinner table. It was like they can't use screens. Hmm. Wow. The so, founder of Pinterest. Right. So it's, I mean, there are different approaches, but it's interesting to me that the guys who kind of like made these things what they are don't want their kids on them. You know yeah. what I mean? Potentially um, most knowledgeable about it. Right. Are the most extreme. Yeah. And even the, like they'll say like, I, you know, the Pinterest guys, like I just find myself, you know, I'd come home from work from a long day and this is my time with my family and I'm on Pinterest, you know, like I'm on the app that I'm trying to addict other people to. And I can't not look at it. Um, so what Jonathan Haidt says is uh, he's got a few rules. Um, he said no phones until you're 16. He thought is a good rule, but at least until high school. Absolutely. Like middle school is hard enough. You don't need phones in there. Um, and then he said, you know, sit down with your kid and actually ask them, what do you think is a good amount of time to spend on? these Mm. things you know because Mm. the phones have built in you know you can have it set up i mean if they have the password they can always overrule the time limit but um he said the kids often will say something reasonable you know like an hour a day or whatever but then they ask you know kids in the movie some of the kids of these uh these people professors and whatnot uh how how long do you think you spent on instagram this today and they'll be like, oh, maybe an hour. And it's like three and a half hours, you know, because it's just that's kind of the nature. It's like going to do a casino. You just don't yeah. know because it's designed not to make you forget that time is passing. Um, so if you actually like talk to them and make an intentional uh, agreement of like, this is how much I think is a good amount to spend on this because my friends are on this or whatever, which is fair enough. Um, 
and then just say, that's how long you're going to spend on it, but hold them to it, you know? But in terms of like your own life, um, there's some other, uh, things like, uh, this one kind of kooky dude who's pretty, pretty much a, a crusader against social media. He's like, there's little things you can do besides just deleting all the apps, which is never watch a recommended for you video, hmm. you know, because those, those things are not just only watch videos. If you're going to use YouTube, search for a video, find the one you want to watch and watch it. And if you're interested in something else, search for something else. You know what I mean? But don't, don't willingly go down these vortexes. Oh these man. Wolves, you know what I mean? Which is tough because those things like that computer, <laughs> this image, it's a little corny. They have some like dramatizations of, of the algorithm and it's the guy Pete from Mad Men. There's like three versions of him, uh, standing at computers, like trying to manipulate this avatar avatar of, uh, of this kid, this teenager and trying to get him to look at his phone and stuff. And it's, it's a little cringy, but, um, their point is that there's a supercomputer, you know, with, you know, millions and millions of, uh, units of processing power focused right at your brain through your screen, trying to get you to do something. And you have free will, you're a human being. So you're, you're ultimately more free than this machine. But, um, if you try to go to battle with it and like, say, I'm just going to use it a little bit, you know, like you, you will probably lose. So you have to kind of just refuse to play the game. Do you know what I mean? So there's, there's little things like that, that never, never click on a recommender for you. Never, never get in a Facebook fight, you know, things like that. Um, the, the recommended video dude though, that's like, that's like saying to someone that wants to lose weight, well, if you would only eat one potato chip, you would just figure everything out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Good luck with that. I mean, I'm all yeah. for it. It's just, whoo. Yeah, you yeah. don't know how to stop smoking? Just don't don't smoke. Just don't, like, don't smoke anymore. Well, that doesn't help. That actually <laughs> is the best advice, though, for quitting addictions, is just don't do it. Dang it. <laughs> well, and I, also... I mean, and also to test whether you're addicted to something or not, just stop doing it. And if you can't, you are. Right. I think that's one of the best definitions I've ever read of addiction. Dude, I could stop if I wanted to. Right. Then do it. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> it is interesting to hear, uh, even with my youth group, uh, they'll talk about social media and kind of the difficulties of it. But they talk about it in a way that it, it does sound like some sort of an addictive substance. Like whenever people get around and talk about social media, it sounds like a quasi AA group. You know, it's been so long, you know, it's been three months since I quit Facebook and man, my life has been so much better. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like I have so much more time. And, uh, and then, you know, people who are still, people who are still using it are like, gosh, I just get on there and, Next thing I know, it's like 2 a.m. And I'm like, what just happened? And, mm. you know, I mean, so even the way that we speak about it, it, I mean, it does mimic the same sort of addictive substances. And I don't know, I mean, not helpful. I would even say destructive at times, uh, stuff that we use in our life. But I don't know. So here's a real practical question to you guys. What, like, what have y'all done? 
mm, what works for you guys to not get in those YouTube vortices? Which, if if we can take credit, I think we coined that phrase. I think we did too. Here on the podcast, and on a movie they kept calling it rabbit holes. That's but, that's stupid. Yeah, no one knows that reference. Nobody, everybody knows YouTube vortex. Yeah, okay. from this podcast. From this podcast, and so so what what's what's stuff that actually helps you guys either not get into it or like how in the world do you get out of you know well the youtube vortex is basically one instance of the algorithm sucking you in so how have y'all used free will to defeat these algorithms uh do you have an answer rob i mean the only thing that came to mind um that seems to be good. I mean, I, I don't know that I've, I've beat them on the YouTube or Texas. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that it, it does help um, it to, uh, yeah, to, to formulate, like, my life around, like, certain identities that allow clarity to um like to come into my actions then so i remember i don't think we ever talked about it on the cast but shout out to you guys remember dan smith he was at mundelein for a bit he might yeah, still be I at do. mundelein good good guy i remember his first year i was talking to him one time and uh and i, I couldn't repeat him like because i don't i don't don't remember him but uh he talked about like his five five reasons for being in seminary and you know because he had thought about it a lot and like prayed about it a lot and um he was like just starting this process and it was just really cool because it provides i remember being like really struck by how impressive it was of like the clarity that it brought because it was super concise and he was able to say like a lot with those and i remember kind of going through some things after that of like okay yeah like why you know how how would i say like really concisely like why i want to be a priest at the time or something like that like why why priesthood or why this or why that um and and so that's kind of the overarching thing but it is it's like this cool way to be reminded of like and again, it's kind of the same thing if like you can feel feel yourself when you just like kind of start to go askew a little bit like in in living a good and um I don't know, just like centered centered life. But it's like you go back anyway, you go back to those identities of, okay, like a really important thing for me is to always be a son, which means that like I talk to my family and obviously um, like pray and know God as a father, but also that like I see my parents and I see my siblings and things like that. And that's like a non-negotiable thing in, in my life to the point that I all make like real sacrifices in order to, um, to do that. And then it's like, next thing would be, um, and it's, it's basic stuff. Like another one is, father. So it's like, where, where are the responsibilities in my life as 
a spiritual father. And I mean, you guys can kind of see like, I, I just have like three or four of them that I'll use as checks sometimes. Um, but it's like being able to, if you can articulate what's really important to you and what you have found, I, I think does like center your life. Yeah. I, I, I think that is when it is, when I'm living like out of those in that way, then it's easiest to like, yeah, not, not think about this stuff or like watch one YouTube video instead of 10 or whatever, um, whatever it is. So I know that's really vague, but that's what came to mind is there was it's almost like being intentional about and like constantly reminding yourself of what's most important, um, in, in your life. And it's, it's kind of like the feeling, you, you know, sometimes it is, it's like super basic stuff. And it's like, that's why it's good advice. You were talking about it's, it's interesting, Connor, if like the, you know, best way to kick an addiction is to not do it. And that is, that's like relentlessly true. Um, but it's, it's like, yeah, man, like you gotta, um, it's just so healthy and good and, um, like refreshing to go and like, even though there's a ton going on and you can always do more work and, and like find other things to do and things like that. It's like, it's so good to go and spend a day in the woods, like with my nephew Hmm. And that's just like never wasted time. But it it's like sometimes it literally feels like like jumping off a diving board because like, OK, I have to just be done hmm. with this stuff because I said I'm leaving at two o'clock in order to get there hmm. by this time. And then you go and like an hour later, it's like, whoa, chains are off. And I like the world isn't going to end. And actually, like, hmm. you know, the parish isn't going to burn down <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's fascinating. So I don't know like the psychology of all that I just said, but there's, that's what came to mind anyway. Yeah, that's really good. Um, did you guys ever read that article? I sent you the analog in the digital city. I haven't, I do oh, intend man. to read that, but I haven't yet. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm letting you down today, man. That's all good. Um, one of the things he talks about is uh, sort of a what these things kind of do is um, these things being social media, especially amplify certain dynamics in human interaction that are always there. But now they're just telescoped where you, like you can see it a, a billion people, you know, at the click of a finger, you can see acting a certain way, which is one of the things is you, you present a persona in any face-to-face -face interaction or especially in like in front of a group, um, you, you present the, the version of yourself that you think is going to get approval, you know, but it's hard to measure in a real human interaction. It's hard to measure how much people are approving of you, but online you just count how many likes it got, you know, so that this kind of photo gets likes and this kind doesn't. And, you, and um, there are all these metrics and uh, you know the ability to compare the quote value of a person or how how much people like them or approve of them by how many followers they have etc so 
it exacerbates something that's kind of uh, it's kind of insidious in human interaction, which is the competition of it all. That it's not genuinely an exchange of persons, a conversation or a or a friendship. It's kind of a, a game to see who wins. You know what I mean? Um, which then makes people cynical that all human interaction is is just a game. You know, all conversation is is just a fight. Uh, and there are winners and there are losers. And I'm either a winner and haughty or a loser and and bitter, you know, or sad. And I think you need to like what you were saying, Rob, is really powerful, like have a have an identity and a value system independent of any of that, that you just say, no, this is the truth about me and other people and God. And I need to, through actions, invest in that belief, you know, in, invest in that identity. Um, so that becomes what I, what I live out of, uh, because that's, that's a truth about human nature, you know, that you, you're just like, I, I will not fall for this, uh, this lie, but what's tough about it is that like the more that you, it's kind of subconscious and it happens very, uh, slowly and subtly as you are more and more online, like you think that's the real world and it's not, you know, um, just the, the other night I was watching the last Cubs game of the Cubs game of the season. They were playing the white Sox, and it was all jazzed up. It was like 10 to eight. There was tons of offense and it was fun. And it's been a while since I really enjoyed a baseball game. Um, and so I could just feel myself like I want a little bit more of that, you know, hit it, hit the vein with some more fun baseball. So I like just get on and I found myself watching a 21 minute video, you know, past the time I should have, I should have just gone to bed or read a little bit and then gotten tired and fell asleep. Instead, I watched this 21 minute video of the 2016 Cubs run, you know, which was totally designed to manipulate you through like music and dramatic cuts and and i'm just like oh man i remember this remember that game i remember this series with the dodgers with the giants the indians and then like right at the most climactic moments like when they're about to win a series it's like the music is crescendoing and crescendoing and then it's like zoom and it goes to an ad (laughs) and then i'm just like watching an insurance commercial and wait and like it's one of those ones you can't (laughs) skip and it's 15 seconds and i'm like can i keep this mood up through this annoying commercial mm. and i i persevered through like three commercials but by the end of it it was enough of it jarred me out enough from this thing where i'm like what am i doing what am i tr- what button am i trying to push in my brain to make me feel good right now mm. um and at the end of the video i'm like it's it's done i turn it off um so i kind of count that as a loss and a victory on the human side uh you know what i mean but it, just being aware of it happening and saying like, no, what, what I know is that if I go to bed right now, I'll get up and I'll have a good holy hour and I'll pray and I'll then be with people as a priest. And like, that's who I am. And whatever this is, you know, being aware of like the little minor attempts to escape reality through the screen and just saying no more than you say yes. I think is a, a huge win. Um, but dang it, if it isn't hard, I mean, it, it would be easier to just go to Athos, which you can, <laughs> you know, drink now. Cause I mentioned Athos, uh, 
and just kind of unplug from the whole thing and be human. But um, it's harder, I think, to be in it and also not be consumed by it. It takes a lot of intentionality. So in, in a way, it's like this will, I think you could, the silver lining could be it makes us more human because we have to choose it. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe that's a little Pollyannish, but. Uh, you know, talking to young people, my impression is, and maybe I'm biased, this is confirmation bias, but uh, youth group in the parish here in the Newman Center, like when you go on a retreat with kids and you take away their phones, they love it. And they, they know, always love it. They know they're more free without them. Um, but you give them back and they can't, you know, what am I going to not be on Instagram? No way. That's where everybody is which yeah. I get it. I get it. And we use it for Newman. Um, there's, there are good things, uh, about it. You can reach a lot of people. Um, especially if you create the dope content that we do. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it reminds me, I got, I got two things. It reminds me, uh, growing up when we, we really didn't do a ton of TV, but for some reason, Saturdays, I think I'm sure I've told you guys this, but Saturdays we would sit down and sit on our booties and watch college football till our brains oozed out of our ears. (laughs) And, and I don't know why, but that was like, okay. That was the one day it was okay. We wouldn't watch TV hardly at all during the week, like never watch movies. And, um, we always had, I mean, computers were always in like the main living rooms and there were so many people in the house. It was like, you're, you're really never alone with the screen, which I think was ideal. Um, but Saturday was the one day that, that you could just really sit down and like indulge this, um, you know, vegetable side of just getting stuck into a TV and we'd watch college football game after college football game. And, the whole day is set up so that I do exactly what I did. You know, it's like one game after the, after the other and they're previewing the next game while one game is going on and reviewing the game before. And so it's, it feels like the whole day is connected. And if, and if that was the original recommended for you, Oh, it was. And if, you know, if you step out of it, it's like, dude, I'm going to miss the analysis of the game before the game (laughs) in the analysis of the post game, which is the pregame of the next game. And it's like, they had it all constructed for the whole day. And, and I mean, I remember I, and I did not understand what my dad was saying, but it'd be like, it'd be like midnight and I'd watch like eight straight hours of college football. Okay. <laughs> and no, no joke. And I mean, you're eating and like hanging out with friends. And I, I realized there's like, there's a lot of family bonds that were formed on those Saturdays and, and I do love those things and I'm grateful for those things very much. Uh, that still are maintained today, the family bonds. But, um, you know, I, it'd be midnight and they're starting the West Coast games. And, what you know, we're in the East Coast. And so they're, they're just kicking off. And these games are going to run until like 2 a.m. or something like that. And dad, who's who's been hanging out and is a free person talking to a bunch of unfree people like me and my siblings. And he would be like, guys, you have to go to bed. And like, dad, Hawaii's playing USC right now, man. Are you serious? <laughs> and, and he would just say, and I, I hated to hear it because it didn't make any sense. 
he goes this game doesn't matter at all like it this game has no import in your life it does not matter and at the time i thought that it was like the most important thing ever you know like i couldn't miss this game but his point was um like this isn't real i mean yeah this game like it's 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 fun but it's essentially like that 20 minute video where you just wanted another fix and another fix and another fix and like it's like mike you're going to you're going to go to sleep and wake up and whoever won this game is going to affect your life none yeah A- absolutely zero it's like oh dad doesn't get it dad doesn't care you're not a passionate fan right you don't but, even know about snapchat dad you can't understand <laughs> how important this is exactly and that's true and thanks be to god that's true because he's somebody that's independent of of a world and like an identity that is being invested in constantly yeah Yeah. and so i remember being really frustrated by that but he'd also say stuff like um you know don't be a slave to the tv and um yeah just just don't do that like he was the original i know that drives everybody that drives every modern psychologist or therapist nuts just stop just don't do that like (laughs) he also helped it like if to get away from a basketball addiction by just calling everything a travel. Yeah, that's true. That, you know, that's why true. don't they play any defense? You're like, Ugh, I'm sick of watching this game. <laughs> commentary from the couch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, one last thing. I know we're, we're running short on time. Oh, did you finish up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and so then the other thing that I've noticed, and it, it kind of gets to what frees, the things that have freed me from the YouTube vortices and, other social media technology traps it's like all the stuff that that you talked about rob and connor that that um you know even that example with the youth group with the kids is that i am not i'm not great at saying no to stuff i like saying yes to a lot of things and if there are things that are so good true and beautiful that exist independent of those worlds of those technological arenas that are kind of not real in a sense, then it's much easier for me to say yes to those really good and true and beautiful things Mm. that exist outside of that, which is also actually saying no to these other things. And I, I think that's really part of the big challenge for young folks is I don't know if they have a lot of hope or faith or um, like creative compelling force to get them outside of, of that, that fake world, you know, but I mean, you have a father that talks to you with love and siblings that care for you and friends that you can go run and play with. And you have water in the pool that you're jumping off the diving board into that makes all the difference in the world. But there has to be something really compelling to give a yes to um, instead of just saying like, no, I'm not going to do this. Cause you, I mean, we, we know you can only say no for so long, but to constantly invest in a powerful yes, like, no, this is my real identity. And I really believe in that. And I'm convicted of that. 
And so even when I don't want to, I'm going to try to choose to do that. That has to be a very powerful force and a very compelling reality in somebody's life to choose that. And I don't like, I think that's kind of the travesty is I don't know if a lot of people, if many children have had an experience outside of the technological world that would compel them to constantly say yes uh, to something more, you know, to, to a deeper identity. And so it's just easy to, to just kind of sit in that pool, you know? Yeah. I'll say I have a couple of things, but I'll choose one. One is, uh, I think, you know, for myself, a lot of times what leads me down the primrose path, uh, to online behavior or just behavior in general that I, I find unhelpful, that is not a yes to my deepest identity is when I want to escape my reality because of, you know, it's unpleasant or it's been a long day or I'm too tired to read or like my house is messy, you know, my desk is messy. I'm more likely to look at Twitter if my desk is messy and I'm more likely to write a song or an essay or do something productive and creative if it's clean, you know, if my, if my house and my life is in order, I have less of a desire to escape it, you know? Um, and also if I have something I'm like doing that I'm looking forward to or, or interested in, um, I, I think I don't want to just erase technology, obviously, like it, it's so, it's so helpful to have YouTube like this whole gardening thing this summer, um, I used it constantly for ideas and how to do things and, and stuff like that. Um, the amount of information that's at our fingertips and how democratized it is. And like anybody can just throw up a, a, uh, a how to, and it's worth their time because they can monetize it and get ads if they get so many followers or views. And like, there are, there are things about it that are good and you can engage humanly you know, as a way, as a means to an end to get more into your life and what God has actually put in your, in your path to do. Um, but it's when you let in that acedia, that despair of like, "Eh, I got so much to do, but I don't feel like doing any of it. So I'll just mindlessly scroll, just move my thumb up the screen. Um, that's the moment you got to just be like, the cure for these blues is not more scrolling. It's getting off of this and like making my bed or cleaning my kitchen or planting a garden or calling a friend or doing something um, other than this. But that's those are, that's the hardest moment. Anybody who's been there for any any type of unwanted behavior, you know, like that is a battle, dude. And that's where this is my homily on, on the archangels yesterday. That's that's the spiritual battle. It's not like these big, you know, geopolitical things. And that's not the apocalypse. It's, it's your heart choosing the good in every moment. And your, your good angel is begging you to choose God, to choose the highest value. And, um, there are a lot of forces in, in the world and in your own wounded heart and in the depths of hell that want you to choose death. They want you to choose not the fullness of life. Um, and uh, to me, it just, it's like, it's so simple 
on the day to day, it's like, am I going to bed on time? Am I waking up on time? Am I praying? Am I doing, am I doing all the identity markers you're talking about, Rob? Um, because if I'm not, that's when I'm like, whatever. And I just start doing something stupid and, and trying to escape. Uh, so you need the Patrick Metzes to tell you, don't be a slave to the TV. This game doesn't matter. And that's it a travel matter. It's not real. <laughs> what? Ted, they just did the Haka. Are you kidding yeah, me? To get you out of that loop. <laughs> this is so, so real. That's not real. That's West Coast football, man. That's not real. Right. <laughs> you know what you're talking about. It's like Western Conference basketball. It's 140 point games. It's like, what is this? You know, <laughs> 1990 Pistons would have made mincemeat of these Lakers. No doubt. No doubt. Any hizzle, hizzle. Well, good talk. It's been a while. It was. It's been so long that it logged me out of ZenCaster. I had to. I had to Oof. actually log in to create this. This stream. How long has it been? Like uh, three weeks, four two, weeks. Three, Two, three weeks at least, yeah. Wow. And we're on a new season now, huh? Yeah, season 10. Man, that's exciting stuff right there. Yeah, it's thrilling. You know, having said all that, um, the podcast is real. See, podcasts are different. That yep, doesn't... It's different. This doesn't count. Just, you're just going to have to trust me on this one. What you're going to want to do is recommended for you is season four, episode 12. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next one you should listen to if you like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just keep listening. Actually, hey, we have never... I don't know if we've ever actually seriously had options to do this, but we've never monetized this thing. This is just, we're, we're staying ad-free. We're going to stay pure, all right? Yeah. We will always be free. Oh, god! This episode is brought to you by Tide Bleach. <laughs> Tide Bleach. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me tell you about a product I really like. <laughs> That could be on a, a tombstone Sunday, like son, father, podcaster. Like that'd mm-hmm. be that'd be good, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. We're li- living for the eulogy, not the resume. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. That, that got the ums. Mm. <laughs> All right, gents. Good talk. Yep, uh, good to be back. On the tombstone, this life brought to you by Tide Bleach. <laughs> Tide Bleach. Wow. Yeah. He went all in. He <laughs> <laughs> went all in to Tide Bleach. He monetized the tombstone. <laughs> all right, I'm cutting it. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.